Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Nine o'clock hour on this Thursday edition. This is not a hump day. Thursday. Three, the fan. Sean and RJ. Bobby is here. Sean is out. Peyton and Ryan in tow as well. I'm RJ Choppy. And we've got some coaching hot seats. We do. I, while Sean is out, I am starting to get a little bit of that Sean raspiness a little bit with, uh, <sighs> with, with the uh, the bug that's been going around. No more life hacks. So, yeah, no more life hacks. Uh, so, Sounds about white. Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano oh. over at ESPN. You familiar with these gentlemen? I am. I support all Italians. They were over. They they do this back and forth Q and A every week for for ESPN. This is a fake Q and A, or they actually have. I wonder. I wonder how this is generally. They just make up these questions. Well, it, it reads like as if they're talking back and forth to each other, but I don't know if it's like one of them writes it out and then sends it to the other to like then write in a response. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's it's a little weird. All right, let's do it. Um, but they always have like just different buzz, and on there they had. Head coaching jobs that could come open this offseason. All right. And there's an interesting note in here about one Mike McCarthy. So uh, the question was, what is your over-under on head coaching jobs that will be open in the offseason? Dan Graziano said, I put it at seven. Three are already open. Raiders, Panthers, Chargers. You, by the way, you. it sounds like you think the Raiders should seriously consider just giving the job to Antonio Pierce. Absolutely. He's done a really good job. I mean, absolutely they should give the job I, or, or consider giving the job to Antonio Pierce. They screwed up by not giving it to Rich Passaccia. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's a little bit of what, when we talk about the Chargers opening, why it took so long to go move on from Staley. I wondered if that's what they were trying to avoid. Like, they didn't want to necessarily hire one of the assistants, so they didn't want to put them in a place, and then if there's a good response, feel like they had to make a hire. So, do you think they... What do you think they do in, in in with the Chargers? I don't know. I, I mean, we've heard buzz. You that, think Kellen stays so or, or comes back, I should say? We've heard buzz that Quinn could be a name there. And if Quinn goes, Quinn has a good relationship with Kellen. Yeah. He, he very easily could go over there and be the head coach. And you've got Kellen and then also Doug Nussmeyer there. Um, and so that, that could definitely be something that they look at. Um, but I, I have no idea. There's been some buzz that... That could, if Harbaugh makes a jump, that could be yeah. one of the NFL jobs. And there's a thought that they could be one of the teams that would be interested in trading for Belichick. Well, I'll tell you, if Harbaugh makes the jump, it's uh, he's he's supposed to sign a contract that would preclude him from making a jump this year. If he signs it. If he signs it, it's a $12.5 million offer. That's the report. Big number, big number. So uh, they say we expect an opening in Washington. Dan Graziano says that. So you've already got Raiders. You've already got Raiders, Panthers, Chargers. Washington, they expect to open. They think the Patriots are likely to move on from Bill Belichick. He says 
People have had their eye on Chicago for a while, though the Bears are playing like a team that's trying to save its coach's job. So Matt Eberflus could potentially survive this. That gets us to six right off the bat. Wait, you said Washington Chargers, Vegas, New England, Chicago. So, yeah, it's already Raiders, Panthers, Chargers already have openings. And Graziano saying he thinks the Patriots are likely to move on. Washington's likely to move on. And Chicago could be in play with Matt Eberflus. Uh, he goes six. That's six right off the bat. He says Jets owner Woody Johnson just said Robert Sala will be back. So that eliminates one of the teams I was watching. I don't buy that Mike Tomlin is in trouble in Pittsburgh. So the remaining spots I'm looking at are all in the NFC South. Your thoughts there. And Jeremy Fowler says, I'm not buying the Tomlin smoke either. Most of the vitriol is from people in Pittsburgh who have long wanted to move on. Contract extension talks could be telling, but an outright firing would greatly surprise me. And good call on Eberflus. Chicago is 6-5 and five over its past 11 games and clearly playing hard for Eberflus. The questions there are more big picture, especially if the Bears opt to take a quarterback at number one overall. This is where things get interesting in terms of the way they look at the NFC and where they split a little bit on where McCarthy stands in this conversation. Because you, I know, have always thought it's odd that the betting markets are always putting McCarthy in there as one of the next coaches to be fired. Only because he was never going to be fired during the season. And that they never include him in the top eight of coaching of the year candidates. Right. Which, like, if you win 12 games... Every year, you should be, to me, uh, thought of very, very highly. Mike McCarthy uh, is, it's like, okay, so a couple years ago, when the Cowboys were running this Zeke run first thing, right, they were the Tennessee Titans with better marketing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Titans are the same thing. Nobody ever got, nobody ever gave them any credit. Or any 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 love, any publicity. Mike McCarthy is Sean Payton with worse marketing. That's it. Mike McCarthy is just as good of a head coach as Sean Payton is. Um, but he has the worst PR of the world for some reason. People don't like him. Why do they like Sean Payton? Well, because Sean Payton uh did it in a place that nobody ever does it at in New Orleans. And they just the media, especially the the, the national media just genuflex at the altar of Bill Parcells. I think it's also, there's a a thought, and we will touch on this here just a sec. There was a very interesting quote from Jerry Jones in the Dallas Morning News yesterday that might be indicative of the future head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I think it's interesting too is that Peyton generally, I think, gets credit for you helped make Drew Brees and the thought Which was the Mc- dumbest thing in the world. Well, because Brees had struggled for the first several years of his career. Really? Because his previous two years in San Diego, yes, he won 11 at the end, at the game end. and nine games. Okay, that's it. But that's they, the moved, they drafted Phillip Rivers for a reason. They, they felt like Breeze wasn't working out. So well, He also had a, an arm injury. Yeah, that. but like before that, it was also they didn't think Breeze was working out. They drafted Rivers, and then Breeze like blew up the next year. So, yeah, because Breeze went 8-8, eight and 2-9. Eight, and nine. He had hurt, he was hurt in that 2-9 and nine year. And then he goes 11-4 and four in the 15 games he played. Um, in 04, and then 9-7 and seven the next year. Fair or not, I think the perception nationally is Peyton helped make Breeze, Rodgers made McCarthy. I think that's the national mm-hmm. belief. And that's the, that's the thing with narratives is that you choose who you want to give the narrative to. Sure. Like, uh, Aaron Rodgers was not – he set the bench for years. He was not great for, you know, at the beginning of his career. He was 6-10 and 10 his first year. Um, Drew Breeze made Sean Peyton. 
Aaron Rodgers made Mike McCarthy. Both are true. Jeremy Fowler goes on. He says, working through this, I'm with you on seven as the over-under. At least one NFC South team and maybe one more surprise should get us there. It wouldn't shock me if Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Atlanta all kept their coaches, but it also wouldn't surprise me if multiple spots from that group opened. The finish to the season will be crucial, but I'll say for argument's sake that one job opens there, leaving seven in total with perhaps Dallas as a potential surprise. We can't Mm. determine the Cowboys' status yet because Mike McCarthy's fate could hinge on the playoffs, and he has built a lot of goodwill at the star, and that can't be discounted. So Fowler says that you can't totally rule out the possibility that things end so poorly for the Cowboys that they could make a decision to move on from McCarthy. But he also says he's built up a lot of credibility within the organization. Graziano comes back, and Graziano's got a pretty good relationship with people in Dallas. He comes back and says, Dallas is interesting. You do hear people outside the organization speculating that McCarthy could be in trouble if the Cowboys don't make a playoff run, but I don't get the sense from the Cowboys themselves. Ownership seems impressed with the way McCarthy took control of the offense, altered it early in the season when things weren't going well, and kept the team even keeled all season. Could minds get changed if they go to Tampa Bay in round one and get bounced? Sure, anything's possible, but minds would likely have to be changed. I don't get the sense that Dallas is considering a change at this point. Which is reasonable. I don't think anybody believes that right now you'd have any reason to. But does that change, Chop, if they get bounced in Tampa? Well, look, if they lose in Tampa, I think all bets are off. A first-round exit, I I personally have a a pretty big problem firing a coach with 12 wins three straight years in a row. I assume the Cowboys win out. I, I, I think they're going to beat Detroit. Um they're, 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 the Cowboys are just a juggernaut at home. And then Washington is moving on from Sam Howell at this point. Dak has had some issues in Washington the last few years, to be fair, though. But I I just have a problem firing a coach that wins 12 games three years in a row. Well, I guess this would be the question then. Or, because or I, Real quick. Sorry about it. This team has fired two offensive coordinators. Three. Two. Since Dak's been here. Mm-hmm. And then they would have fired two head coaches. Like, you keep moving on. Like, keep scapegoating guys. Like, it's like, all right, if it wasn't if it wasn't Linehan's fault, if it wasn't Kellen's fault, or Jason's fault, or McCarthy's fault, like, you know, sooner or later, it comes back to that, right? Like, are we just blaming the wrong people? Or are we placing blame where blame doesn't need to be? Maybe... Jerry and the company just needs to look in the mirror and say, hey, maybe we're just not good enough to win a title. How much do you think going 12 and 5 three years in a row, and this is not me discounting it. I'm just genuinely asking because I'm trying to to find out what your thought process is here. How much of going 12 and 5 three years in a row do you think is McCarthy's doing? Like, like let's I, say Garrett. I mean, let, I, like, I, like, like, I know you think McCarthy's been a better coach than Garrett, but let's say Garrett's been the head coach the last three years. They go a combined over the last three years, 36 and 15 potentially. What do you think that record looks like with Jason? Has McCarthy been a five-game difference over three years? What What do you think it is? It's a couple games, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe a game or two. I mean, I, 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 like, honestly, I mean, Har- I think Harvard did the study that no coach has ever accounted for more than a win a year. Um, I don't know that I agree with that. So then when you get into the discussion of this has been a pretty good team that – you feel like maybe McCarthy's made a, a, a couple games difference over the course of each year. Shouldn't the standard for him and the the litmus test for him be the playoffs in the postseason? And are you pushing us over the edge against good football teams? 
because and I know a lot of people I'm sure on the truckhack.com fan text are going to say well no that should be Dak's litmus test it's like okay but the reality is they cannot move on from Dak as easily as they can move on from McCarthy and they would need to make some sort of a change it right so like. then but then then are you not making a change just to make a change yeah I, I mean I understand it's like the little bit it's, it's that like let's be fair let's be fair go to the AFC from 2002 until 2019 okay Three guys made the Super Bowl of the AFC. Brady, Manning, Ben. You had one year in there where they didn't, and that was Flacco. It was a crazy year. Are you mean to tell me that none of the coaches in the AFC at that time, other than Belichick, Tomlin, Dungy, and Jim freaking Caldwell, were good or able to get their teams over the hump, or were their quarterbacks just not as good as those three? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the you, issue in the NFC is that okay, okay, but you basically had a different quarterback every year since oh four. We feel like they've lost to good teams, though, a lot of times because of attention to detail and little things. Wouldn't that be coaching, though? Could be, yeah. Could just, be. just something to consider. I, I don't think Mike McCarthy's getting fired as of now. Like, like I don't, I don't think that's I don't happening think he is either. And so now, is there a way things could go in the playoffs that changes things potentially? Really quickly, or Calvin Watkins. Talk to Jerry Jones about Dan Campbell with the Lions coming to town. Dan Campbell obviously spent some time here with the Cowboys. You know, sort of came from the Bill Parcells coaching tree. He was coached by Parcells. He worked under Sean Payton. Uh, and so he, he had a lot of really nice things to say, Jerry Jones did, to Calvin Watkins. He said, I could see it with Bill Parcells. He was a great coach of coaches. He was a great life coach for people that weren't in football. So it doesn't surprise me at all that people who have been exposed to Bill, I'll go so far as to say, may... Uh, may own life has been helped by a few talking points for Bill. So he goes on and he says, Dan Campbell reminds him a lot of Jason Witten, who of course is coaching yeah. in Frisco right now. And the last quote here from Jerry Jones says, I actually thought the type of thing that we see in Dan is so football appropriate for the game. Every time that I look at him, I see Jason Witten really. And so when you take a look at that, and I know Edward from ESPN had mentioned this yesterday on Twitter, is that a sign that Jerry might have, if he's talking about how great a job Dan Campbell's doing and how great a coach of coaches Bill Parcells is, and then he's comparing him to Jason Witten, are we greasing the the tracks a little bit for a future where Jason Witten is potentially talked about as coach here? Maybe. Now, does Jason get to hold kids back for grade so he can uh, hold stack, back. stack his team in high school and win titles? Can he do that uh, when he plays with the, with the coach of the Cowboys? Look, we're going to have him on a Friday show every week in the future. Yeah. Don't, I burn, look, I love don't you, burn that bridge before you, you, we get you, it. You don't have to sell me on Jason Witten. I support all Tennessee volunteers. That's true. All right, you don't have to sell me on that dude. That dude, uh, he, he, he can coach for me any day of the week. But, uh, I mean, look, it's possible. I think, I think Jason Witten is absolutely on the short list of head coaches over the next decade here. Abso-freaking-lutely. Patrick Walker, Cowboys Insider, joins us next to the fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Want to get you set for this tomorrow. 24 hours from now, Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, getting you set for Texas and Washington over the holiday weekend. Cannot wait for that game. Cannot wait for that interview with the great Craig Way tomorrow. But it is Sean and RJ here on 105. The Phantom RJ Chobby. He is Bobby Belt. Peyton and Ryan alongside. We're joined by Patrick Walker, Cowboys insider. Brought to you by the Windstar World Casino and Resort. The official casino of the Dallas Cowboys. Please game responsibly. Good morning, Patrick. How are we doing? Doing well, sir. How are you guys? Great. Are you, uh, are you all geared up and ready for the Ring of Honor celebration? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is this is something that's been a long time in the making, and I could not be more excited for Jimmy Johnson to get inducted into the Ring of Honor. Um, it's something that I and, and you guys and a lot of people are on record as saying that it should have happened far before now, but definitely better late than never. And I, I love what Jimmy said. He's still alive to see it. So, you know, that makes it matter that much more. So, absolutely. Um, Jimmy Johnson, uh, the legendary head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, one of the best uh, football coaches and football minds ever. You know, in the same year he gets his, his gold jacket, he gets immortalized again, this time in the Cowboys ring of honor. So absolutely wonderful. Pat, I threw this out to Babe Laufenberg at 840. Well, so I'm curious for your thought. Now that Jimmy's in, obviously, like, you know, people talk about Witten and potentially Romo and guys that, that could be next in the ring of honor. But let's go pre-2000, okay? So, so not okay. those obvious ones. Who is, so the ne- who, who is the next guy that you think like, hey, this is the next glaring omission? Or is there one that, that you feel like needs to go in? Pre-2000? Because I the, the name I came up with is I, I really do feel like Nate Newton should be in there. I, I could agree with that. Pre-2000, I could agree with that. Because post-2000, there are obvious names, like you said, Witten and Romo. and um, But, yeah, it's kind of – not entirely surprising that Big Nate's not in there just yet, and I say that because uh, if you look at the names who he's kind of had to wait behind to get in, but I do I do believe he gets in, and I believe he deserves to get in. When you look at his accomplishments with the team, um, what he contributed um, during those dynasty years, I mean, uh, this is one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game. So, yeah, I, I do agree that Big Nate deserves to be in there, um, but he's not the only one. I, so I think that's where it gets kind of, kind of foggy because if you're Jerry and you have to, first of all, you had the the Jimmy thing hovering over your head, right? And now uh, you still, you have to take into account the post 2000 and post 2006 era with Tony and and Jason Witten and things like that. So it's like, when and who do you put in next? So I don't envy him in that regard. I think the Jimmy thing was um, Jimmy Johnson thing was easy and could have been done a long time ago, but thankfully it's getting done now. But now that Jimmy's going in, 
where do you go next? You probably, unfortunately for Big Nate, you probably go Jason Witten next, or you probably go with Tony Romo. Um, I will say this. I do believe Ezekiel Elliott should be in the ring of honor, but not before a guy like Nate Newton. I'll put it that way. Yeah, Witten has to be a lock. Uh, I, would, no, I would assume he has to be a lock. I, I would say Romo is, has to be a lock as well when you, when you take into account you're talking about an undrafted free agent who came in and, and carried the franchise. He wildly, you know, surpassed expectations, ultimately didn't get to the big game. But again, he was uh, talked about and criticized like he was a first round pick or something when really he wasn't an undrafted guy. And he was one of Jerry uh, Jones's favorite players ever. And that's why Jerry, whenever he gets a chance, he will let you know that one of his biggest failures was not putting enough talent around Romo and the right coaching around Romo to get him to that Super Bowl. So I think because Romo has such a special place in Jerry's heart, uh, I think he has as much a lock as Jason Witten is. But, yeah, I'm, I'm on the campaign with you, for, with Bobby. Get Big Nate in the ring of honor. Let's do it. What do you make of what CeeDee Lamb had to say yesterday um, just about how things had, had, you know, come out of the Miami game, uh, the, you know, that long stretch where, where he wasn't getting targeted, and also just his competitiveness and talking about his obsession with winning. What, what did you take away from Lamb? I love the fact that he's focused on winning more than stats. And like he said in, in the, uh, the Q&A yesterday, he said, well, the stats are going to be the stats. While the game is going on, he's not thinking, wow, I have you know 100 yards in the first quarter. Uh, he's just playing the game. Now, obviously, if you harken back to the week five loss in, in San Francisco, we're not going to sit here and pretend that CeeDee Lamb doesn't get rightfully frustrated when the ball is not coming his way for long stretches of time, especially in a game like Miami where it's competitive even though things aren't necessarily going right, your defense is holding them to only one touchdown, a handful of field goals. You have a chance to win the game. And then ultimately he reappears in the fourth quarter. Guess what? On the potential game-winning drive that ends with the Cooks touchdown, defense at that point was too fatigued, not enough complimentary football, so they kind of gave it up at the very end after what was a very good game by them. But when it comes to CeeDee Lamb, he wants to win more than anything. Um but we, I'll be honest and say he also wants to contribute to those wins. And I think that's, yeah. that's, that's the spirit that you want to have, uh, want to see in your wide receiver, in your top wide receiver. He wants the ball, but he's not, you know, of the Keyshawn Johnson mode where it's just like, just give me the damn ball over anyone else. He wants the ball. He wants to be an impact player, but he understands that there are other impact players as well. And if you can get him involved, for example, if he has 100 and 10 yards against the Dolphins, but it's split. Let's do easy math. He has 100 yards against the Dolphins, but it's split 25 four ways uh, as far as four quarters, and they get the win, CeeDee Lamb is completely fine. If he if they lose that game as they did and 95 of his yards are in the first quarter, that can be rightfully frustrating. But ultimately it's about the win. He's got the right mental attitude both as a competitor and as a team player. So, I mean, I, I can't love CeeDee Lamb enough. So who, who do you put that on that – the, the lack of getting the ball to him? Vic Fangio. If you go back and you look at the film, well, two things, two things. Um, first of all, kudos to Fangio because he was getting surgically dissected by Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb on that opening offensive drive. Both, which of, is both of them, first two drives, most, really, yeah, right? Right, it, true enough, because on the second drive, that's when CeeDee Lamb had the, you know, the long touchdown where he turned the burners on. Um, but after that, Fangio really started, go back and look at the film, he started to fog up Dak Prescott's looks, and he started to feign, is this this a blitz? Is this guy dropping back in coverage? Are we shading? Are we not shading? And it made Dak think twice. And when it came to targeting CeeDee Lamb, 
The problem with that, the additional problem with that, because that's problem one. Problem number two is you don't have the protection up front to think twice. Because uh, with Tyron Smith out, Tuma Idoga, who's played well early in the season in the absence of Tyron Smith, he had a very bad day at the office. And not physically. He wasn't necessarily losing man-to-man with Bradley Chubb. He was just not taking the assignment at all on several occasions. And that gave Chubb free reign, and then the blitz came, you know, blitzes were coming up the middle. Prescott was under pressure 45% of his dropbacks. Um, so when you have a defensive coordinator that's forcing you to second guess after that second drive and your pressure uh, rate is high as far as allowed pressure, your offense isn't going anywhere. And, guys, that's why you saw punt, punt, punt mm-hmm. after those first two successful series. And, well, the first one could have been successful if, if Pollard gets in and or Hunter doesn't fumble the, uh, the exchange. But, you know, so two things to answer your question, RJ. Fangio did a wonderful job of, job of adapting. And he knew that he could because Cowboys were having some issues protecting up front. Uh, the Cowboys waived Rashawn Evans yesterday. They essentially have one linebacker left on the roster. It's Damone Clark. Uh, I mean, Mike Parsons is there, obviously, but he is used so much as a pass rusher that that's kind of the reality of it. Uh, they got a couple guys on the practice squad, Malik Jefferson, Buddy Johnson. Do you expect at all any potential elevations with linebacker? Because that, that spot just seems to be getting really thin. Yeah, well, the news of the season apparently dropped yesterday when when I put out there that Rashawn Evans got um, waived, and I didn't know that he was Fred Warner. But Twitter says he's Fred Warner, so okay. Um, But I will also say that he's not Bobby Carpenter because there's another faction that says, oh, well, he was a bump. No, he was not. So he's right there in the middle. Was he what they wanted him to be? Not, Not entirely. Was he one of the worst players on the team? Absolutely not. I, kind of a head scratch as far as depth is concerned. I do know why they needed the seat. Well, let's go. We just talked about Chuma allowing pressure. You don't know if Tyron's coming back or not. Well, let's go is up against his 21-day window. So you need it. Well, let's go on the roster. I just don't know that I would have sacrificed the linebacker for that. But to answer your, to answer your question, Bobby, so you got Buddy Johnson. You got Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson is out of elevations. His clock doesn't reset until the playoffs. So if you want to bring him up, uh, you can't elevate him. You have to activate him to the roster, and that means you have to ship somebody else out, which would then be weird because you to bring up an O-lineman, you shipped out a linebacker, and now you bring up a linebacker and you got to ship out somebody else. And, yeah, weird equation there. I wonder what if Buddy Johnson is But he's a longhorn. He's, he's longhorn, Pat. So. Well, yeah, that's fair, but it <laughs> doesn't change the logistics. So <laughs> Buddy Johnson, he has all three elevations available to him. Uh, I think that's what the Cowboys look to do is elevate him because, like you said, Michael Parsons notwithstanding, DeMond Clark's your only true linebacker uh, on the field. Marquise Bell, he's the hybrid. So you, you got to have, at least on the game day roster, another true linebacker for depth if for no other reason. Plus, you're going to need somebody on special teams. Well, Let's Go doesn't give you any special teams. Rashawn Evans gave you 73% of his snaps as special teams. Um, so, you know, Buddy Johnson could help in that regard as well. I'm just curious as to what Buddy Johnson brings you. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to step onto that field and be better than Rashawn, what Rashawn Evans was giving you, which then leads me to wonder if they'll look to either free agency over the next week or two before the playoffs hit or maybe possibly try to poach someone off of a practice squad. Patrick Walker joining us here on 105 Through the Fan. All right, what do you make of Detroit? Um, I, I think they're a team, like for me, I, I look, I've seen a lot of their games this year. They can beat anybody, and they can lose to anybody. It seems like they are just wildly inconsistent. Who, who does that sound like? All right, no kidding. But what do you what do you, what do you make of Detroit? Are you scared about this? Does this game scare you at all? I don't know. I'm not scared of of any of the opponents because I mean the Cowboys have the firepower 
to beat every team in the league except for the 49ers until further notice. But outside of the 49ers, I mean, there's no there's no boogeyman. And we've seen that, um, you know, they have the defense that can suffocate. They have the offense that can light up the scoreboard. They just got to put those two things together when they're on the road. But guess what? They're not on the road this week. They're back home. And when they're back home, they typically put those two things together and they walk teams. And not, you know, the narrative was that they can't do it against a good team. And then you saw them do it against the Philadelphia Eagles um, and just completely throttled the Eagles, literally left them with a bloody nose. So when you see a game like that, that gives me a ton of confidence that the Cowboys can also do it against a Detroit Lions team. That I think is dangerous 100%. One of the best teams in the NFC. But we've also seen over the course of the past several weeks, they'll drop a game or two where it's just like, what happened there, right? So um, it's going to be a a fantastic matchup, but the Lions are dangerous or as dangerous as the Cowboys, especially on offense. Talk about guys like Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, and and his insane ability uh, when he gets out in space. Um, Jerry Goff, he's having a phenomenal season in large part because of his weapons. I'm going to say Rob Brown. I mean, they've they've got dogs and horses and all other types of uh, of zoology going on on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be a handful for the Cowboys. But the, the great news is that the Cowboys are back home. Um, and I, I'm confident they can take this game. And on top of that, don't lose on Jimmy's day. Don't do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. So go out there, handle your business, get, get, get your shape back, um, and don't back into the playoffs. What will Tyron Smith's game status report read this afternoon when the practice report comes out? I'm going to go with questionable. Um, if I'm a betting man, I'll go with questionable. I know that he's been DMP with the back issue uh, both of the practice days this week. Um, but I I would argue that considering he's on, quote-unquote, the plan, he wasn't going to practice anyway. He's going to be DMP anyway. The only thing that changes is the why. So it's not rest as much as it is a back. Um, I think that the optimism is there when you talk about what Jerry was, was saying to you, uh, 105.3 The Fan, you guys on Tuesday, when you talk about what Mike McCarthy has said and his couple of availabilities this week, there's some optimism there. I'm not going to put it at, you know, 80-20 that he plays, maybe 60-40, but me putting that 60-40 puts him at questionable versus like a doubtful. I think Jonathan Hankins is doubtful. There's a little bit of optimism there, but again, from a betting man, I don't think Jonathan Hankins takes the field in this one. I think he's still kind of getting himself worked back, and they don't want to risk a setback for him, and he's farther behind the, the rehab process than Tyron is. And you need both of those guys for the playoffs, but Jonathan Hankins, is, I just don't know that he's there. If he plays, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Tyron Smith, I'd say questionable. Thank you, Patrick. Have a happy New Year, man. Yes, sir. Same to you guys. Talk to you soon. Patrick Walker, Cowboys Insider, joining us here on 105 Through the Fan. We cross talk. The KNC Masterpiece coming up next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It is Crosstalk with the K&C Masterpiece on 105 Through the Fan. I'm R.J. Choppy. He is Bobby Belt. And welcome in Mike Basick and Reggie Atatula. Good morning, boys. Yo, what's happening, fellas? How we doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Yeah, pretty solid. Yeah? Watched this morning. Uh, obviously, you went to the Mavs game. I did. It was my wife's birthday last night, so I didn't watch the Mavs game last night. Oh, but I told Reggie man. I'll wake up and watch kind of that, the YouTube NBA version, a condensed version of the game and... So what do you what do you search for on that? This, this is if you put in if you put in Mavs versus whoever they're playing, uh-huh. you will get the NBA on YouTube puts together about a ten to thirteen minute condensed game, uh, okay. and it gives you a lot of an idea of what happened. Obviously, you don't feel like I'm I'm glad I didn't watch last night. You don't Reggie. feel the you don't feel the run. You can't feel the run right because it's just they are showing. Cavs highlights a lot in the fourth quarter and you're realizing that your team doesn't have any highlights in the fourth quarter for the most part mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't like when Mark Folliwell was like and this is the Cavs sixth attempt on this possession and then they made a three uh, I was like well because my son asked me the other day hey do you think the Mavs could win it all this year and I said no they have no chance and this was before the Cavs game and he said why do you say that dad and I said, because they can't play defense and they can't rebound. And in the playoffs, if you can't play defense and you can't rebound, it's tough to win a seven-game series against a good team. And so I think they know this. Like, the Nico knows this. I don't know if there's going to be a trade available, but last night accentuated the 57 to 37 rebound margin mm-hmm. that – Okay, so I was, I was frustrated watching, even watching the highlights, knowing the final score. I was frustrated watching, just going, "All right, this is the Achilles heel of the ra- of the Mavericks that you know that they can't win in the playoffs." It doesn't mean they're a bad team; it just means you can't win in the playoffs if you're that bad at those two major categories. Do you think the Mavericks over the last year and a half lead the NBA in number of final possessions where they don't even get a shot off? I would say so. Yes, I mean it feels like it. That's I don't I know. I feel like I don't see this problem anywhere else. Well, also mm. the problem is you're not going to see it anywhere yeah, I'm else. In a there's, there's a lot of teams that you're not going to see when they have these types. I mean, hell, we're talking about a team that just lost 27 straight. Like I feel like, uh, you know, there's there's certain teams around the league that they will have these issues and it just isn't as apparent to you. But no, that that is very frustrating, um, especially once he gets that ball. And then he gets trapped, and no one comes to him. And you can see as like the camera's panning away um, after the play that he's he's yelling and not at himself about like the trap. And I imagine that's like, yo, I need somebody to show to the ball when I am being trapped, at least so I can pass out of it. And so, yeah, no, that that's that's a real frustrating thing, and it harkens back for me Arkansas. to early, yes. yeah, sorry, like it, uh, like it's it. the way I talk. I apologize. Uh, Earlier in the season, where Jason Kidd says like they don't have a lot of plays because they're trying to encourage that yeah. pace, and I'm like, I wonder how much those type of instances where you don't have a lot of a lot of things to draw upon in mm-hmm. a, a big play situation, where it's like, all right, n- now this is this is where we go to, this is where we feel comfortable in a closing situation as opposed to just get it to Luca and let him figure something you out. Can't, so, you can't pick your dribble up 44 feet away. Well, when you get doubled no. that hard, you kind of have to, right? I mean, he got sure. blitzed. Now, here's my issue. 
I'm going to ask Reggie this. Reggie, watching the highlight three different times, I love Derek Lively. Why was Derek Lively in the game on the final position? Because he's standing under the basket with nobody guarding him for the final eight seconds. Yeah. But Luca knows I can't pass it to him. We have to shoot a three to try to tie the to try to tie the game. So why would Derek Lively, who can't shoot, standing underneath the basket where they're literally not guarding him? So the guy who blocked Curry's shot was the guy who was supposed to be guarding Derek Lively under the basket. But he's like, I'm not guarding. If they want to pass it to Lively for a dunk with four seconds to go, we don't care. Which really helped the trap. Yeah. I, I think I was thinking about this. I feel like because it wasn't like, oh, there's only three seconds. There was a decent amount. Of, what was it? It was above Thir- 10 seconds. 10, 10 to 13. Yeah. 10. When they Why don't you just take the two? And so, I mean, you could, but at, at that point, like you continue to play to the foul three game. three seconds left. You think that's it? Yeah. When you see that you could pass to Lively, he would have caught it and dunked it with about – Three seconds to go. Oh, that's too little. I was thinking it was gonna be like because you said eight seconds. Well, they didn't. They, they didn't time. hard double when he got the ball. They let him look like as soon as he looked like he was yeah. going to attack. That's when the guy from Curry came and doubled hard. Yeah. And then the guy who was guarding Lively then jumps to Curry to be like, we dare you to throw it to the guy wide open with approximately five seconds to go but to answer your original question i think the answer is because there was enough time i feel like they were like we're gonna get a shot up however we've missed some shots so having an opportunity maybe rebound get a second opportunity at it but yeah i'm with you i was looking at him like at least in that moment once you see luca doubled i think come to the nail come to the free throw line and if he can get the ball to you and now you can get the ball back to him or maybe pivot and pass it elsewhere, and then you can still get a shot. At least you can operate as a facilitator right. once that clock goes down to a certain point. But you're he hoping just stays somebody's under the stupid rim. enough to close out on him. And your instinct is if a guy catches the ball wide open at the free throw line, oh, I better help. And your brain has to really tell you, no, do let him dribble and go dunk the basketball. Do not go cover him. Yeah, that, I mean, but like you that's see it so many times people just forget and go help. Right, and then right, right. Leave the guy open for. Or three. at the very least, like once Luca gets the ball out, now he can move. And I don't know that 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 blitz that those two players stay stuck on him. Right. If you get him moving, maybe he can get a little bit of space. Re, you know, reset or you know, get a shot off. And as long as Luca gets a shot off, you feel good about it, even yeah. if it's not a great shot because of. His did, shot make. Did you notice too? And I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. It might have been Karis Levert. I'm forgetting who was guarding him. I, I believe it was Karis Levert. Casanova. That he was playing his left side hard, like he was forcing. They they knew, like There's they played book, a great yeah. defense. Because what does he do in these situations? He goes to his left and does a step, step back, back three. And they were like, nope, you're going to have to go right. And then I'm going to feed you to my double team to the right. Mm-hmm. So I did think when you watch the defensive possession by Cleveland, they did everything right to take away what Luka wants to do and then don't guard the guy underneath the basket. They need a – I'll tell you what the Mavericks need. The Mavericks need a Chris Strong, who I'm watching during this crosstalk, put up like 60 points on the door frame bucket back there. <laughs> oh, just the dunk. He's just throwing it down. Oh, he's oh now he's showing off. Yeah, yeah he's flexing on him. <laughs> Love it. Oh, What's coming up on the show? Uh, good program. Obviously, uh, we'll have um, – what was it? Oh, we'll talk about that game. We'll talk about some Cowboys. When it comes to the Lions, who are you most concerned about with the Lions? Mm-hmm. And something that's always fun is when we do the combo platter. We get uh, your sports opinion and also – because it is a national card game day. It uh, is? What is your what is your favorite game night games, right? You get together for game night. You break out the cards, break out yeah. the board games. Not What's your just favorite card games, though. No, we got to open this up because, you know, once we start talking about Uno, what other car, you know games are you putting Uno's down? Are great. you playing Monopoly, which is a game for terrible people? Are you playing Ooh, I'm so Taboo? Good at Monopoly. Course, uh, why does it not surprise person. me? Yeah. You enjoy bankrupting your friends and family. I mean, yeah. it's the American way. That's right.
Cards Against Humanity has to be up there. I've it's, never it's played gotten it. real popular. It's got never played. You, really? I mean, I, like I know it. of it, and I just like I like I've always been like I, I don't think I want. I feel like this. you would love that game. Yeah. Your like your penchant for trying to say something inappropriate, like that's the heart of that. I feel game. like I'd want to play it with like, yeah, like like I feel like just what I know about the game, I need a very particular group of people that I'd want to play it with. I don't think I just want to blindly walk into that game with, you know, a random poll of people. So it's hearts and spades on this this list i mean yeah sure if you want i still don't think i know how to play hearts i don't think i've ever played hearts in my life i used to not play i've played it it's been a while since i played it uh, i'm trying to think what i think is it's, hearts just the trump i'm i'm sorry huh? no hearts uh, is this like i, I, I think it's spades oh, is I just, politics spades is obviously I'm, I'm drawing a blank on okay, the game of hearts. So, so this is like again it's been a long time so i'm going to mess this up but i'm tr- i think it was you're trying not to get the hearts, like like you're you're dropping cards in. It's four people. You drop cards in, and the highest card that gets dropped has to pull the cards in. And you're trying to get as few hearts as possible. And, and so unless queen, unless you collect like all is, the hearts or something. Yeah, I think the queen has the highest number of mm-hmm. points uh, to it or something like that. Oh, this I is a point based game. There's a point based. Okay. I, I forget. Excellent. I haven't played it forever. There's no way I'll or, play this game anytime soon. Ever. I don't. I don't remember specifically how it works, but it was it was fun to play on Windows 95 back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> my my go to was obviously solitaire. At that All point. I know is that if you spider the, solitaire. If you have the two of clubs, oh, you yeah. start. That's what I know. If you have the two of clubs, you start. I mean, that's a great place. Knowing game. how to start always matters. Good, good place to yeah. be. But yeah, no, th- those are kind of some of the things that we've got coming up on the program. Um, and then also, we'll, because CBS Sports was being a jerk, we'll actually get to QB wow. rankings today. Um, I think they also had the shifted schedule because of Christmas. And so, uh, typically on the KNC Masterpiece Wednesdays is where we power rank the power rankings, but we will power rank the quarterbacks today in the 1 o'clock hour. Is this a mm. CBS.com, a, a CBS Sports quarterback power ranking? That's that right. You're going to get to? Why? Is there, is there an issue? Do you have I'm a problem just, with that? I, I'm going to say, if this is Cody Benjamin, the list is awful. Oh, wow. wow. This is another one of your personal vendettas. I'm just saying, if it's Cody Benjamin, the list will be awful. How do you keep all these personal vendettas in your head? You have a lot of them. Uh, I mean, I just remember like specific names like, okay, this is dumb. Like he, or- he, He's written lots of dumb like things. Like you don't like Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, I mean, he's just a he's just a horrible human being. Wow. Like, well, like he's, he's Come a, on. He has an human. ugly heart. Like, that's that's the biggest thing there. You think so? Yeah, I really do. He I just isn't a, a big. He's just not a huge Dak Prescott. Yeah. And he, and no, he's no, 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 very no, no, bland no. food. It's it's not he just does. the Dak thing. It's, I don't think he has a bad heart. It's consistently the guy lies, like consistently. It's an act. He's it's an a actor. lie. Okay, like if you just if you just uh, accept that he's an actor, isn't it his just opinion? No. Not a lie. Like if he no. says Dak isn't good at football, that's not a lie. That's an opinion. He, no, no, no. Yes, I do believe Dak is good at football. But if he says Dak isn't good, or if he says Dak had thirty six interceptions last year, that's a lie. That's how a many? Lie. How many things? He did could we, be intellectually dishonest. How many things did we? How many things did we sit on Radio Row and say objectively? Hey, you said that, and he goes, "No, I didn't." Like how many things did he in that interview just in? Ten minutes lie to us about I think, about okay, a dozen. Okay, but see now, now you're now you're tick- now you're scratching your right 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 because he was saying that you guys we had misinterpreted that. Not that he didn't say it, that his meaning was different, and I can get behind that. <laughs> All right, I can get behind that. Chop is a master of getting yes. out of a uh, out, out of tight corners. I, I try to, I try to get out of out of, out of tight situations uh, as often as I possibly can. Stop it. He's I, I really- he's intellectually dishonest. 
I, I don't. I don't I, disagree. I, I, I have zero respect for him as a man. I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I do think he has some intellectual dishonesty in him. Is that, is that no persona non grata number one for you, or is there another one that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, of legitimate sources. There's always Marcus Moser, but that guy's just. <laughs> I was just thinking about him, too, a little bit ago. I, I just For some reason, he crossed my mind like 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, and it's funny you bring him up. All right, KNC Masterpiece, Bassick and Reggie coming up next. We are back tomorrow morning. Mike McCarthy, 630, Craig Way. My guy. 920 on 105 Through the Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.